Welcome back, Cragetarians. We are here with an update from Kim. Kim, you had um, something, a different kind of appointment to go to. Yes, I went to my prosthesis appointment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the beginning, when I was first diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, you kind of hold this hope of like, oh, you know, I'm halfway through my lifespan. I've always thought I'd live to 100. So I turned 50. And you're like, maybe I'll get a new pair of perky boobs. Maybe that'll be, <laughs> you know, my end to it. But, um, you know, the further I get along in treatment, the more I'm realizing that plastic surgery is not going to be an option for me, uh, especially with mm-hmm. the amount of radiation that's happening to my left side. Um, so at this point, I, I'll have probably end up having a discussion with a plastic surgeon in fall of this year if things continue to progress as they're going. But um, at this point, my options are going to probably be a trans flap. And what that means is they take your rectus abdominis up to build a breast um, to hold the oh. plant, or they take the latissimus dorsi over the shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. And I have worked with clients who have had that. I, to me, there's a lot of compensation patterns. It's a mm-hmm. surgery that I won't put myself through. You know, and yeah. being small chested, I really thought, you know, lose, having the double mastectomy going flat uh, wouldn't really bother me. I thought it would be, you know, like how, how much different could that be? It's ended up being bigger, a bigger emotional deal than I thought it would be for me. I was quite sure. surprised by it. So I decided that to reach out to the prosthetic uh, department right away. And they do their, I think my appointment was yeah. six and a half, seven weeks out from surgery. And the reason to wait is because they need swelling to go down before they can measure you and fit you. Mm-hmm. So I must have been having a little more anxiety about this appointment than I thought because I arrived to my appointment an hour early and I was sitting oh, in the wow. waiting room. And after 30 minutes, I thought, I never sit in the waiting room so long. I should go up and talk <laughs> to them. But luckily I had the piece of or the the foresight to like double check myself before I went up to the poor uh, right. staff. Uh, and, you know, I realized, oh, I'm an hour early. So I started to watch a masterclass uh, while I was sitting there. And I think nice. you and I had, had talked uh, just before I was going. Mm-hmm. And I think part of my anxiety was, is, you know, I have gl- had glanced down at my chest twice now. Uh, one was when I was still in the uh, compression binder. So there was still a lot of bruising and lumpiness from swelling and and fluid. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just got a glimpse the other day in the shower and it, you know, it startled me, but it wasn't as bad to kind of get that glimpse down. And what's interesting is in the shower, I, you know, try to keep my eyes up, up, up. But when you are glancing down, like to shave your legs and stuff, uh, you don't really see too much because there aren't boobs hanging in in the way anymore. <laughs> um, there's just kind of like nothingness. So I think I, you know, I tucked my chin in even further than what I would normally do. And that's when I saw uh, my scars and my chest. Um, and I, I was worried about because I hadn't been like in the mirror looking at myself straight on. So I had right. this anxiety about being in a three sided mirror. And you had said to me, just remember, 
if you're not ready to look in the mirror, you don't have to. And I, I needed to hear that to give myself permission. I I think that's great. I wanted to say for our listeners from, from their perspective. So, cause this was something that I didn't know when you were having your surgery, you requested a specific kind of closure. I wanted a specific kind of closure. I wanted, and this is going to be interesting too, when I talk Mm -hmm. to plastics, Um, I had asked prior to surgery, could I have a plastics closure? Knowing at that point that I most likely wasn't going to be able to tolerate or have the availability with my skin and muscle to have an implant because of the aggressive treatment that I'm having. Mm-hmm. I thought I'm probably going to be flat, a flat closure and could, I'm going to have to look at these scars for a really long time. Yeah. And could I have a plastics closure and perhaps not have to go back and have plastics clean it up or, you know, what have you. Uh, my surgeon, you know, said he would take that into consideration like I talked to him that I was really worried about these scars but um, there was no option to have plastics come in and close okay given to me now whether that is a hospital issue or an insurance issue I'm not a hundred percent sure and plastics you know has since the plastics department has since reached out to me mm-hmm. and I haven't returned their phone call because my oncologist said you know you you really won't be able to have any reconstructive type conversations until the fall of 2022 at best. Yeah, until every, everything's um, healed up. Yeah, and there are these things because you're, you know, I, I told the surgeon I wasn't trying to discount his ability, mm-hmm. but I think it's hard to go from a, clo- a curved surface to a flat surface. Mm-hmm. And he says that he tries really hard not to get dog ears. And that dog ears is what they call um, at the ends of your scars. Uh, because you're going from a curve to a flat, um, you get like these skin taggy looking things that stick mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I uh, arrived uh, in the prosthesis room for, for breast cancer, it's a small room and there are on three sides of the room there's three rows of bras. And, you know, the first thing in stepping in there is I'm looking at these bras and I'm thinking not even my Nana would have worn (laughs) bras that looked like they're very ugly looking. And I'm just Uh looking around because I'm thinking, well, what about my sundresses? And what about swimming? And, you know, what about working out? And so, you know, the lady lets me have my little, you know, sort of come to Jesus moment. And Mm -hmm. she said, honey, think about where you're at. Think about how big our hospital system is. Mm -hmm. And this is really to help you find a good everyday bra. And she even went through like, um, you know, the bras I got now might be more for fall and winter. And I might need a thinner fabric for spring and summer. Um, And she kept trying to get me into these colors you know pick a fun color and I'm thinking but I wear mostly white and I I, a nude bra for every day a nude kind of bra is what works for me 
at the end of it, I was like, well, maybe I have to embrace what I see the younger generations doing where they don't care what color their bra is. You just see it through their top and, you know, the straps right. sticking out. And I was like, maybe I'm going to have to embrace that as my fashion sense. But um, she also suggested that uh, perhaps I'm going to have to go to Nordstrom's to find appropriate bras for, you know, dresses and things of that nature. I guess they have a mastectomy uh, person that will fit you and help you with that. They also oh, told nice. me about this fabric I could buy off of them and sew in my own pouch to put the prosthetic in. If I oh, into a bra, a bra that already fits you. Right. Okay. I can tell you, I saved some of my, my, you know, little fun bras that I yeah. so like, but they're definitely not going to work now. So I'm going to have to um, get rid of those. It was, you know, I used to be before chemo, I was a 34, 36. Now I'm a 42, 44. So that okay. was a little difficult um, to hear. But that's, some of that is swelling and whatnot too. I mean, you're literally, it's not just that the weight from the chemo and all of that stuff, but you literally had surgery on this particular area of your body <laughs> going around. So, yeah, you know it's, what I mean? It's difficult because my body yeah. has changed so much that I'm just like, what is this body? You know, I want to love this body. This body's been through a lot. I'm grateful for what it's been through a lot. But there's also this flip side where you're like, I don't recognize it. Yeah, I don't know you. Yeah. And so, you know, developing this new relationship and, you know, trying to continue to meet it with kindness. Um so I, I got up the courage to say uh, it was I was still having difficulty getting in and out of my clothing at that point. So I let her know that. And um, mm -hmm. I said, you know, I'm not ready to turn around and face the mirror yet unclothed. So I she was fine with that. So I would turn away and she'd help me get the bra on. Uh, and then once it was on, I would turn and face the mirror. And the bras are cut different than the surgical camisole that I've been in with my my pillow boobs and so I saw more of my chest than right. what I have seen and I saw started seeing some of the dog ear tags mm. so I know on my right side I think I have three actually that are okay. coming through and so I thought you know that was a good progression and it was still Baby a little fat. hard to see what I did see because the skin color looks different and um, I learned a lot so like my pillow boobs because it is literally pillow stuffing inside these uh, the drape which is what comes from your collarbone like down towards the nipple area that mm -hmm. part of it is called the drape my yeah where the way boobs, the clothing lays across yeah my pillow boobs seem like they're up into my chin where right. the prosthesis you know it it it's a a nicer slope and then into fullness a more natural she, kind of silhouette yeah she would say like does it feel good and I was like well hang on I take my hands up and kind of squeeze the prosthetic a little bit I'd be like, <laughs> yeah I think that seems normal right because that's what you're used to cupping your own breasts and what does that so, feel like right so the prosthetic itself and let me just give you what I am picturing and then you tell me how much this matches oh oh Siri I didn't ask you <laughs> Sorry about that. My watch. Sorry, it's okay. <laughs> it happens. 
Um, is it like a, what I picture because I've had like bra inserts to make things, you know, poofier or something, you know, for strapless dress kind of thing. Is it like a chicken cutlet kind of material? Like, is it a silicone squishy? It is. And like so a chicken I, breast looking thing? I've talked to some of my uh, clients who went in and theirs were, they used to, they used to be a little harder and rounder. So they were very perky and kind of like right up in your face. It okay. is silicone and it's in a triangle shape. Okay. Uh, and the outside of it looks like a skin tone and it even has a little nipple. And the silicone part of it even gets a little, you know, as it, as it changes shape, it looks a little wrinkly, kind of like skin would wrinkle. Okay. On the other side, it reminds me of, um, you know, when you have something shipped and there's the bubble wrap and you can pop it. Yeah. So it has those little teeny dots all over it and it's clear on that side. And the reason for the little dots is to allow airflow. So it doesn't get so okay. hot. Against well, that, your I mean, body. that makes sense. Because you would want it to be warm enough to kind of naturally stay in place with the heat of your body and kind of move with you, but not so warm that it's like having yeah, and it a trash bag in your really, bra. Right. Yes. Yes. I get that. But it, the prosthetic doesn't even really hang or touch onto your skin. Okay. Because it's so in the, the bra. The bras are still, they still look like a bra. Uh, you have to be really, they were telling me, you have to be really cognitive of your band at the bottom to hold the weight and the okay. strap. But once it's inside, because it's not attached to your skin, you know, it, it like falls down onto that band and okay. it's kind of hung in there. And then when you lose your breast, you don't end up with a chest that looks like a guy. There's still right. some concave, concave, some, you know, um, convex things happening in the chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it seems sort of gappy, even though they okay. work really hard for it not to be. Like, like the bra is touching your skin in most places, but the prosthetic is being pulled out away from you. Right. So there's a slight gap between the prosthetic and your actual chest wall. Yes. When you're standing, at least, and standing and sitting. Now, I'm sure if I laid down, that would be different. And that's going to be a whole other set of experience of actually getting and moving around in it. Yeah. Because leaning forward and swim in it. Oh, okay. Even leaning forward. So she said I could swim in it, chlorine, like all that stuff, but you have to wash it. And you have to wash it every night. And then you put it back in its little case so that it'll continue to hold its shape. So it could lose its curveness if I didn't put it back right. into like a like, little bubble. Like our boobs do, like all boobs do with gravity and time. <laughs> it's yeah. lose their shape. So yeah, you can put it in a, in a box and okay. I mean, so you it's know, not what you'd expect, but. I mean, it's just a utilitarian sure. bra. And so, so there are two different companies. And, and in my camis, I have two different companies, the ABC mm-hmm. and the other one that starts with an A. Anemia, anemia or something. I can't remember the name of it. But okay. so I got a bra from each of those two companies. 
and insurance will cover one prosthetic for each side and mm-hmm. they'll cover two bras every six months and they'll replace the prosthetic every two years. Okay. Because it breaks down from all absorbing sure. body yeah. oils and chemical, you know, sweating and stuff. So one of the things when I heard that, you know, it's not like, you know, I'm looking for insurance to buy all my undergarments. But as a female, I, I wondered, on average, how many bras does the average female own? Mm-hmm. And do females really wash their bras like every other day? And so I really thought, isn't that interesting that you don't get a week's worth? Well, I think that, well, I don't know, Kim, because I don't wash my bra every day. But I also, well, pandemic has changed. I'm in a sleep bra and I may wear the same one for three days in a row, depending. But yeah, if you shower, like I could see the, you know, you want to put on something fresh um, and different bras for different purposes. So something that's I guess support isn't your number one concern, but something that's a little bit more functional for something like exercise and something that might just offer a better silhouette for going somewhere, you know, or depending on the clothing, like if you need a deeper V or something. Um, So the the bras are pretty expensive for your first time through. Uh, And you're right. I think it is kind of, I think they're just utility utility looking at it from that perspective. You can wear one while you wash one. Right. For it to be, that's why you get two. (laughs) (laughs) You can wear one and wash one. And that's, you know, however you decide to do it. Well, and I, as I'm looking at them too, I'm thinking, you know, look, I, I have, I have chronic illness. I'm not dead. Yeah. Like, where's my, my body's already changing a little bit. Like, where's my sexy, pretty feel that I want? Like, do I have to now? Not from the insurance It's have frumpy stuff? <laughs> so she, you know, she explained yeah. to me that, you know, your first set of bras are the most expensive. And if okay. I want to come in and be fitted, um, you know, again, they'll be more expensive, but not as expensive as your first time. Um, and she said, if you want to go online to these two companies and find a bra that you like if you let us know we'll order it and then they'll be about fifty dollars because uh there's a discount from going uh, through them the department and then the university gives you a discount so mm-hmm. you know they're pretty much half off and i was like oh well that's nice and i said do you have a catalog now so i have to go online to look so in one company like, look, they're just all ugly, period. The other company, which I kind of liked their cami better anyways, uh, they have they have some prettier ones. And they put out, what I can tell, is uh, they put out a, a bra and panty matching that's somewhat pretty oh, once a nice. season. But they sell lickety-split. Oh, right. <laughs> so got to be on top of it. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm not the, I can't be, I'm not the only female, like, wishing for something that's a little more uh, attractive. And so, you know, I think, I think this is kind of a, 
a missed opportunity. I, I guess, you know, they're saying Land's End is the best place to get a swimsuit from. Okay. Um, I know, I think Target has just started carrying some mastectomy stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but it would really be nice if there was a designer out there that would work with cancer patients to come up with a whole set of clothing from undergarments to clothing for male and females, because it really does elevate your mood if you can be in something that's not so frumpy or something that will you know, lift your spirit a little bit. Um, well, sure, you're already in a vulnerable situation. I mean, I don't care who you are. <laughs> Having had a mastectomy, you're, it's vulnerable. So, and you're not feeling the same as before. And, and, you know, all of the emotions that you've expressed, and, and there's still probably new ones that you haven't even experienced yet. I agree. Well, Why wouldn't and your skin is so sensitive through the whole cancer yeah. process. You need you need fabric that is wicking, antimicrobial, soft, no tags, comfortable. That the scenes are mm -hmm. yeah, but still you can still go out in public and public go to work and yeah. still be polished. Um and so where where is that? Matter of fact, a friend of mine just got a side job working for a shoe department she says oh I found these slip-on shoes that have fur inside and leather and it's got good support she's like I want you to go and see what your size is because I'm going to get you a pair because I know your feet are still sensitive from chemo and I thought mm -hmm. oh isn't that lovely that she's thinking about you know me standing and working yeah um, in the studio but um you know these are things that I think are missed opportunities yeah, uh, it reminds me, do you remember, and maybe you're too young, I don't know, and I'm not sure if this company's still out there, but there used to be a company called Pee in the Pod for expectant mothers, and you could walk oh, in and buy yeah, a yeah, little yeah. kit to put like your, your work wardrobe together without having to buy so many pieces, but you could get like five outfits out of their kit. Okay, and so thought, you buy like... There'd be a chemo kit. Right. <laughs> Well, and Kim, it, you're, you're saying all of this and it's making me think about, and I know we had discussed maybe doing a, um, an interview specifically or an interview as a topic, an episode specifically about breasts themselves. But as you're describing all of this to me, I'm thinking, well, there's so many different types of bras and so many different types of what you would need to wear for what. And whether or not you feel comfortable in something that you pull overhead or something that you clip behind or something that it might be easier depending, having something that clips in the front. Like there's so many options and so many things to think of. And then you add the, the texture, <laughs> but it needs to be soft. It needs to be durable because obviously if you're washing it every other day. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it needs even to be cami, so many things. My surgical cami has this the um, strap that unhooks, you mm -hmm. know, and, and my husband had to get used to that. And he was like, oh, and we're like, oh, that's how you get this on and off. So it was so much easier for him to put it underneath my armpits that I couldn't quite, you know, get my wings up. He'd be like, lift right. your wings, you know. Yeah, she couldn't lift your elbows out to the side. I had surgery, you know, scars underneath there. So it was easier for him to get there. And, you know, and get it on. And you're right, thinking about that, because most of these bras that I was trying on clipped in the back. And I said, you know, you would think that that would be more difficult 
because I didn't right. have the range of motion to get back there and clip it myself. I would have mm-hmm. had to pull it around to the front, clip it, but then that's where my incisions are. So I'd be like rubbing across my incisions to yeah, flip it around. That, right. Um, but she was saying, think of the women who only had one side uh, mm-hmm. a mastectomy. And so they still have to, you know, lean forward and get their natural breast in, then get mm-hmm. the the prosthetic going and I thought well that's true too and depending on the size of their natural breasts they'd want a prosthetic that matches so then that's a whole thing as well because their prosthesis may be different than the chicken cutlet that you have they might have a a turkey cutlet (laughs) (laughs) well and when I came back and you know was kind of lamenting about my experience to uh you know some of my women who have uh, gone through and most of the women at my studio are they have implants they've chose to go the reconstructive route but they mm-hmm. had said in their research there were a couple places that you can go and they'll make custom bras for you and when I think of okay. custom bras I think of price tag yeah but they're like that's how you're going to get kind of a attractive looking bra and panty set because you know on the other hand I'm thinking gosh you know my poor husband doesn't have, you know, it doesn't see me with boobs anymore. And wouldn't it be nice if he at least saw me, you know, in a a nice bra bra. panty set versus now there's no boobs and there's this really homely, you know, like bra and and panty set. And, and I like to feel pretty and sexy underneath my clothes. So we're both losing out. Yeah. Um, But I see price tags. And then I think about the cost that, you know, the debts that, that is incurring. And the cost, extra cost that I'm outlaying every day already just to make it through. And then if I make it through, I have the big, where do the cost of having a nice bra and panty set made now is probably not in the budget either. Yeah. Well, and, and you have to prioritize, you know, that's kind of the thing is the priority, which is unfortunate. It shouldn't be that way. We need to do something about this (laughs) Maybe we need to switch the bra making business. Um, well, and I was when I was talking to one of that, my uh, clients about it too. I said I didn't realize I really like pull over the head shirts. So even after surgery, when I needed button or zip up shirts, I don't own very many of those. Yeah. So I then had to go to my husband's wardrobe, and I'm you know took from his wardrobe. Luckily, he has a lot of button down you know dress shirts. And Mm -hmm. some zip up sweaters that I could, you know, kind of put together a wardrobe quick for that um, to go back to work in. But, um, you know, no one wants to be wearing their husband's clothes. No. And that is something to think about, you know, and, and the idea that, yeah, kind of you end up having to rethink and rechange or rethink and change so many little things. um, And that's why I thought your everyday life. Well, that's why I thought having kind of a cancer kit wardrobe and the fabrics and stuff that you need and then thinking about the phases that you go through and how does that little kit work? And then you can get some extra little pieces here and there um, to put in. But how does that work through? Well, and you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned versatile clothing for new moms. And I think that that's probably kind of where the most work has been done in this area, like just having kids seven years apart 
so much was different with maternity clothing. And I can only imagine for people who had children way before I did. Um, but having come a long way to have something that's versatile, what I was thinking of is, you know, I had camis that were um, rotched at the side for my belly pre-baby, but also had opening for nursing post-baby. And so it's almost like you'd want a multifunctional bra or multifunctional blouse. Do you know what I mean? Like something that would yeah. work through the different stages, different ways. You know, of- like, like a tunic that maybe had a fun hem to it or a fun sleeve, but then buttons down or has a port opening, you know, yeah. with a hidden, you know, maybe the port opening is that that zipper is hidden or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because there's a, and, and something that, like you would want it probably to be an elastic waist because of all the bloating from the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, chemicals that you're putting into your body. So it can expand and, and reduce uh, maybe an elastic band with a drawstring even so that when you do come down, if it's stretched out, you could at least use your drawstring to tighten it up. Yeah, I think these are things to really think about. Um, because there, you do spend quite a bit of money getting different things to work for you, um, you yeah. know, through those different stages. Like my my two port tops that are not my port tops, my um, my surgical tops that I got that will mm-hmm. hold would hold the um, the drains and mm-hmm. such. Those were forty five to sixty dollars a piece. So I spent a hundred dollars. Right just over a hundred dollars getting two tops so that I could have one on while one's being washed um, mm-hmm. to get me through that stage. Well, and I know money's tight for you, Kim, but you really have to think about like so many women. Um, do you know what I mean? Like you're still privileged in many ways from other folks to even be able to, to do that. Right. Um, I think one of the things that I'm sure that there is a facilitation for this where you can then donate your back at some point so that people who don't have the money for those items could have that yeah absolutely you know I've already I've already donated some things that I knew I wouldn't need again to someone Mm -hmm. that I was like you will come across a female that can use this before I will yeah and would you mind holding on to it I cleaned it up and made it look pretty so they could you know gift it to somebody Mm -hmm. because I had some of those things you know, gifted to me by uh, women who had had the wisdom and had already gone through it. Yeah, but your point that it's there's so much extra expense on top of you know anxiety-inducing mounting medical bills right. <laughs> and travel expenses to have to be able to get to your oncologist and your radiologist and all of those things. Um, it is a tremendous blow to anyone who who has to um you know endure this Kim I think I think it's lovely that you're like I didn't even get to leave the hospital with my prosthetics and with my bras oh you have to Um, wait for them well some of it is COVID right getting stock Mm -hmm. and some of it is waiting for the insurance approval um I'm about ready to go into radiation so I assuming I won't be able to get a bra on, not even my pillow boobs um, during this process. So I'm going to have to learn to be completely flat. 
and that's overcoming another emotional thing, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's the vulnerability of the treatment. There's already feeling vulnerable by not having the padding of the breast tissue. Um, so that's going to be another hurdle of things that I'll be working on. Um, I was looking for really soft, over, uh, oversized t-shirts that I could wear because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're at this extreme sunburn feeling at the very least you don't want things rubbing on it so it's right right now there's tense there's like a shortage of bamboo fabric uh t-shirts so i found um i I reached out to a friend that possibly she could make some for me and then nick brought up a good point that bamboo fabric's a little more expensive and he's like the price that you're paying for it is it going to work with your new prosthetic? And you don't have the measurements for that yet. But then another woman who had gone through this pointed out to me that you're putting on so much lotion, trying to prevent that, you know, the the blister burn as much as you can, that the mm-hmm. t-shirts that you wear through radiation will most likely need to be thrown away because they're going to be mm. so oil stained. So now I'm at, you know, like Walmart looking for men's t-shirts that I can cut or change uh, that are soft, that are darker in color so that it won't Mm -hmm. show the oil stain so fast while I'm at work. And so I'm trying to navigate that and prep for that as well as Nick and I are trying to figure out with gas prices, you know, gas cards to drive five days a week, an hour away uh, and back. Uh, we're trying to figure out food prep because we, you know, you don't want to be buying food out to save mm-hmm. money. So we're trying to figure out, you know, what's a breakfast that I could eat while I'm driving and then mm-hmm. what's something I could have that won't spoil by the time I get back to the studio and then what's yeah. dinner look like. And he's like, you're going to have to go to bed at eight o'clock, I think. And I'm like, but if I get home at six 30, how do I get dinner in? I don't want to eat dinner and go to bed. So we're trying to navigate all mm-hmm. of this stuff and what's really going to work and, and what will my system tolerate. But if you have a base plan, then you can start to tweak on how you feel. Um, you kind of have to have a, a loose schedule to start with to and kind of get the there. support and family dynamic around it. Yeah, so it's a lot I think you're good at strategy. Kim, you're terrific at strategy and, and working that out. So when will your prosthetics be in? Did they tell you? Um, they did not um, give me uh, an exact date. So the biggest thing, they can't even order anything until insurance comes. So I right. know that I have kind of the insurance that doesn't pay for anything. I'm underinsured. Mm-hmm. And then I have the Medicaid. It's procedure to go through the first insurance company. So you have to wait for them oh, so to that they decline, decline it, it before. Then yeah. you have to wait for the Medicaid to then mm-hmm. approve it and check. And then once that is sorted out, then they'll order it. And even though I prep, when I go to a new department, I kind of prep their billing that, you know, this is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And I apologize. And, you know, of course I go into self-deprecation over it. Um, so that they can kind of be prepared <laughs> and maybe, mm-hmm. maybe the insurance thing will already be approved there, but inevitably I explain it, but I get to my first appointment and I have to retell the story again. 
um, because nothing's been done and they're confused. And so when I first walked into my prosthetic appointment, they're explaining this to me. So then I re-explain and I think that I have to leave. And so I said, are we going to have to reschedule and how, you know, because nothing's put there. So they finally decide that no, they'll let me keep the appointment and they'll take the measurements. And they spent about 90 minutes with me. Um, but if something happens with insurance, then that, you know, obviously falls back onto me to pay for. Right. Um, so right now I'm waiting. Your, your prosthetics, uh, even though they, in this, I was looking at the soap notes afterwards, it says a BC, but they're actually sized by numbers. So I'm mm-hmm. like a seven or an eight, which I guess translates into a B or a C uh, prosthetic that, you know, will fill okay. me to what I was used to. Mm-hmm. So that's my prosthetic journey, and uh, hopefully, I get a pair that I can use and uh, can learn to embrace. I I hope so too. It will be. It sounds like timing wise, it you may the timing might actually work out to when radiation is complete. <laughs> Things will so, be here. Yeah. yeah. It might she be, it might work out. said, you know, I can ship them to your house. And I said, well, I'm going to be down here every single day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Pick them up. As so soon I could probably ready. swing by and save that, that amount of money. And um, so we'll see when they come. Nice. Uh, we have a, we have two bras picked out that will get me through. They're, they're good for like fall, winter. And then there's a thinner fabric one that she thought would reduce heat. And um, so we have the other two bras that in six months that insurance will pay that I'll get those. And then really she said to build my wardrobe, I'll have to go to Nordstrom's and, um, you know, take my prosthetics in there and be fitted in Nordstrom's to get what I'm really looking for. It is nice that they offer that though. Yeah, it's a nice service that that a department store offers. And, you know, if you look at breast cancer statistics, there's a lot of women uh, now going through breast cancer. And so I feel like that market, unfortunately, is growing. And so, you know, I I think we deserve some nice looking bras and underwear and clothing to go through cancer with. I agree. Well, as always, thanks for sharing so much of your journey, Kim. I feel like this is so refreshing to have somebody speak so openly about all of these steps along the way and I'm sure that it's of benefit to many so thank you Courageitarians and we will catch you next time